Freedom from sexual sin is absolutely possible, but it's a journey, and knowing how to stay on the path to freedom is essential. Hey, I'm Nate Dancer with Purity for Life, and in our newest mini-series, we want to give you some key lessons that will keep you headed in the right direction. Here are two obstacles that you will face along the way that can totally derail you unless you learn how to navigate them well. One is how you feel. To live by feelings for me is simply to go by my senses and you can choose by an act of your will to praise the Lord. I can in this moment, even if I feel completely dead, choose to praise the Lord. The second are the consequences of your own sin. When you think about consequences, what we're talking about is something that's going to take time. There's a lot that isn't in your own control. And if I'm going to make it through, I'm going to need to persevere. And I'm going to need to have an understanding of that. In this episode, we'll look at how to live by faith instead of feelings and how to navigate the consequences of sin in a godly way. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. As I was planning this mini-series, I tried to identify what I thought were some of the most important lessons that someone in our audience would need if they were journeying into freedom from sexual sin. And it did not take me long to realize we have to talk about living by faith and not by feelings, and we have to talk about navigating the consequences of our sexual sin, because both of these areas— absolutely have the potential to totally sidetrack us for months or even years. We have to know how to walk through these situations so that we can continue on the right road. So I asked Austin Kropp to join me in the studio. Austin graduated from our residential program and is now a certified biblical counselor here at Pure Life Ministries. Okay, Austin, so you've been in our counseling department for a number of years, and I wanted to start off by maybe gauging you on how relevant you think this topic is of living by faith and not by feelings. Like, if you could venture a guess and think about all the guys you've counseled, the guys that you've just kind of casually talked to um, while you've been on our residential program campus— What percentage would you say needs to learn this lesson? Um, I would say it's safe to say, for sure, absolute 99%. Um, (laughs) Wow, okay, that's big. I definitely could see, if not 100%, Uh I can't think of anyone that I've counseled that I haven't addressed this issue with. Okay, so if someone is listening who's never even really thought in terms of oh, am I living by feelings or am I living by faith? Can Mm -hmm. we first describe, like, what does it mean to live by feelings? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So um, to live by feelings, and obviously as I'm talking about this, I have (laughs) – I'm talking from my own experience in this. Mm -hmm. So to live by feelings for me is simply to go by my senses. And you can easily, um, yeah, just – quantify that by looking at, you know, if you have a two-year-old kid who's just, they're playing, whatever, 
and they see a toy that they want. Okay, so everything, all hell breaks loose until they have that toy or whatever. <laughs> That's what you can see. There's a sense, there's a desire that that kid has. As a two-year-old, I want, and I'm willing to do whatever I want. Uh, I need to in order to get that. You take that into a teenager, he has a friend group, he wants to be like his friends, you know, his friends maybe have the latest Xbox stuff, and he's like, well, you know, this is something I want. So this kind of a mindset of living by what I want, if it goes unchecked, will continue to go step by step into each stage of our lives. And, you know, if that goes unchecked in the teenager's life as a young adult, what's going to keep him from doing all kinds of other things? You know, this kind of consumer mentality of just whatever I want is mine can kind of really monopolize our lives. And if you want to really boil it down, I thought of this. I took some time to think about it. Um, and I think it's really submitting to my feelings regardless of what the Word of God tells me. So the Word of God tells me something in any given situation, and then I have the temptation, <laughs> well, do I do that or what I want, what feels good in the moment? So living by feelings would simply just be going by what feels best to me mm. at the moment rather than taking into consideration and submitting to what the Word of God says. Yeah, yeah, that's really good because, you know, we are Americans through and through, and one of the things that's deeply entrenched in our culture is this idea of, I'm just going to be me. You know, if I feel it, if I think it, I'm going to act on it. And I think a lot of people maybe especially our younger generation, are just being taught to live this way. You know, you ask somebody, why didn't you go to work today? Well, I just wasn't feeling it, you know? And as, as you said, that kind of life will end up being very destructive. And then on the other side, it can be really hard to break out of that kind of life, especially if you've been living like that for a long time. Yes, yes, certainly. And when... You know, like you were explaining, so someone who's now really repented, who's really now wanting to walk in that direction, um, how how does this now carry into their new life um, with the Lord? And again, speaking from personal experience, there's a couple of things that really have um, I've had to really uh, face, and in a result of like going in a different direction now. So. Now maybe not I'm I'm maybe not um, completely giving over to sexual sin anymore or um, doing other things that in my past life I would have done. But now, how in my new life with the Lord, there are things that are coming against me that I'm having to face with and deal with, as far as feelings go. Some of these things include like despair, mm. um, depression, uh, condemnation. You know, there's strong inward feelings that I feel, and if I allow that, if I submit to that feeling, that can run my life in a very wrong track very quickly. The same with depression or condemnation, you know. Yeah, yeah, or anger mm -hmm. or laziness. Yeah, yeah. you're right. There's, there's so many things in our lives 
that are trying to get us to live a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you were saying. Like, okay, well, if I feel condemnation or if I feel despair or depression, it's not just that I feel it, mm-hmm. but it's actually causing me to live yes. in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I neglect my responsibilities because I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shut people out because I'm depressed. Maybe somebody has a need right in front of me, but I just say, no, I'm not going to take care of them because I don't feel, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so it always ends up affecting our lives. So yes. yeah, it's like what you're saying. There's, there has to be this whole reorientation mm-hmm. of my life from doing what my feelings tell me to do to doing what the word of God tells yeah. me to do. So, okay, so that's what you were saying, what it means to live by faith is to let the word of God tell me how to live my life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so for me personally, that's really um, something that that goes deep with me because I still remember being in the program for myself the first time that I started actually walking by faith um, when I actually put my... I don't know, my face towards this thing of that was controlling me, feelings, and actually walking by faith. I remember it was early in the morning, one morning, um, getting up out of bed, and it was one of those mornings that you just feel dead and had no desire to seek the Lord, mm. no desire to be with Him, um, but I knew, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to seek the Lord. I need to do my quiet time. I need to pray, read the Word. Um, so I went to my normal place where I did that, but I was like, I can't, I just feel like I can't, I'm stuck. Like I'm sitting here, my Bible's open, but I just, I just don't have it in me. It's dead. Yeah. So (laughs) I remember in that moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me of what my counselor had told me the day, the night before we had counseling. And he told me that you can choose by an act of your will, to praise the Lord. And that came back to me at that moment as like a revelation, like, oh, I can in this moment, even if I feel completely dead, choose to praise the Lord. And as we know, the word of God is full of commands to praise the Lord and in every circumstance to give thanks. And so that's just what I began to do. And I began to praise the Lord and thank him for the scriptures and for the word of God and and how sure and how faithful it is. And I just remember that after about 15 minutes of doing that, that something broke. And it went from being completely dead to me to a f- I was just full of life. Like the Holy Spirit really began to speak to me and the word of God began to be real to me. And so a morning that was completely dead got turned all around all the way to where I was like, this is the best quiet time I've ever had so far. <laughs> right. So that I just remember that for myself um, and how powerful it is to obey even when I don't feel. Yeah, and you know, it's, yeah, I'm just thinking about like what would have happened if you would have gotten there to your quiet time, opened up the Bible, and was like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Shut the Bible. I'm like, well, we'll see if I feel better tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know? 
And then you come back the next day, maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe you come back the next day and you're not feeling it. Eventually, you're creating a pattern where you never read the word or mm -hmm. pray because mm -hmm. you never feel like it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's a death sentence. Yes, it is. You know, to yep. never read the word because you don't feel like it. You mm -hmm. know, you, we need it. And what's so awesome is that when we obey, like you were saying, the Lord, he rewards that. He does. You know, I, I've thought quite a bit about living by faith because I'm the same way. It's just there have been some powerful feelings mm -hmm. that have... Um, I don't know what you would say, confronted me, assaulted me, tried to hinder me mm -hmm. um, from really following the Lord. And at times I would make some gains, you know, like, okay, I'm living by faith. I'm not going to live by my feelings. Mm -hmm. And then I would just like inadvertently mm -hmm. slip back into living by my feelings. And then maybe it would take some time. I realized, wait a second, I've mm -hmm. got to live by faith. Mm -hmm. And so then there were just some times of gains and some times of of regression. It took a lot of effort. And I've definitely learned some lessons. I, I'd be interested to hear what you would say about like, okay, we need some absolutes. Mm -hmm. If if I'm going to live by faith, there are some absolute things I need to know about it. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say some of your foundational lessons are? Yeah. So I would say there's definitely about three things. So the first one is probably a bit counterintuitive if you're thinking about, you know, faith, you know, it's a lot of what we hear is like, you have to put on, like put on, like you got to, you know, just, I don't know, whatever you be bold in your faith, mm -hmm. a lot of things to do. But I've found for myself, it is very, very important. It is a foundational thing for me to persevere in a walk of repentance. And the reason is that, okay, like I mentioned before, at the cosmic level, God is trying to give us something. As believers, God is trying to give us something. And the enemy is trying to allure us away from it um, by exploiting our tendency to live by our natural senses. Mm -hmm. So the Lord is trying to give me something. The enemy is trying to nag at me from the natural point of view, the natural side of things to like get me to get out of that, to go away from that. Yep. And so there's this war inside that I need to continually be purified in my heart, in my attitudes, my motives, my loves, my affections, that they really are being turned and purified toward the Lord, that toward Jesus really is what I love and what I desire and treasure mm. and not the things of this world. Because if that's not the case, I won't have any faith for what God is trying to give me. Why would I put faith in something that I don't even want? <laughs> like, why would I persevere past feelings for something that isn't even valuable to me? Um, so that's something, a very root foundational thing that I have found is I need to stay in this walk of repentance. Um, and the second thing then, because now that my heart is being purified, now I really do need to put my trust in the character of God. And it's a choice. This is something, again, faith is not something that's just going to happen on its own. It's something that takes an active um, choice. It's something that's very, very much um, intentional. Mm. 
And so the second thing is choosing to put my confidence, my trust in the character of God. And how to do that, uh, how that works out, I guess it would be, you could say, the ability to trust in God hinges on my attitude towards the Word of God. Um, Because the Word of God is how I know who God is. That is the bedrock of truth for me. If the Word of God is not absolute, doesn't have absolute authority in my life, then I will find myself compromising here and there with like, ah, well, maybe God doesn't really, you know, stand faithful in this area to me, or maybe God really isn't for me here. And it just kind of eats away at that. So I really have to have that rooted in me that confidence in the Word of God that reveals the character of God to me. And I would say that the third one is choosing to praise the Lord even in difficult circumstances. Um, This choice to praise the Lord, every single person that I counsel, we will talk about this at some point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Choosing to praise the Lord, choosing to give gratitude, um, it's so foundational to persevering in this walk of faith. Um, It keeps your eyes off of yourself and your circumstances and keeps the Lord front and center. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So when I was preparing this interview, there was a passage in 1 Peter that came to mind, and I'm going to paraphrase. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, and Peter is basically saying, you have a living hope. And you have an inheritance in heaven that's incorruptible. And maybe you've been grieved by various trials, but that's only because you need it so that your faith will come out like pure gold and it will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus, whom, not having seen, you love. And what hit me is that, you know, when we're talking about faith, our faith is supposed to be all wrapped up and intertwined with knowing Jesus and reveling in Jesus and worshiping in Jesus. And I guess I wanted to close this segment by giving you a chance to just testify about Jesus, something that has become real to you, something that has become precious to you about Jesus as you've been learning to walk by faith. What's precious to me about Jesus in this whole walk of faith because it is a walk that is tested. There's various trials. There's a testing by fire that's going on, and I've experienced that in my life. But Jesus, in the midst of that, has been so faithful, and I'm so thankful to him that he is the one who's in charge of my sanctification in that process. I'm so thankful that he keeps the vision when I lose it, Um, When I'm overwhelmed in the midst of that wilderness and that trial and that fire, he knows what he's doing, and he's been so faithful to me in that. And he always brings me back to that fact um, that he is purifying me. He's purifying me to be his bride, to live with him, to love him. And even when I don't feel it, coming back to that, worshiping him, giving him my affections, giving him my love, telling him with my words and my actions, even when I don't feel it again, (laughs) that I love him 
And, you know, that's, that's what I really love about Jesus is he keeps bringing me back to that. He's faithful in that time. Yeah, that's so awesome. And anybody who walks this thing out is going to have their own testimony yeah. about Jesus. Amen. You know, it's not just learning some tips about how to be a good Christian. It's, it's about knowing him, yeah. and he'll reveal himself in ways that are very precious, mm-hmm. you know, ways that it becomes ours. Yeah. Okay, before we move on to the next segment, I just feel the need to press these things home a little bit In this mini-series, we're trying to give you some key lessons that you'll need as you journey into freedom. And what we've been sharing is good, but it won't benefit you until you practice living them out. What Austin just shared about spending quality time with the Lord even when you don't feel like it or enduring in the life of faith, those things have power to revolutionize your life, and they will when you do them. And I guess I just feel the need to say that because sometimes it's easy to just store up knowledge, but the profit will come, and it will only come when we learn to do what we're hearing. So can I just encourage you, listener to Purity for Life, fight. Fight the battle for faith. Fight to put your feelings in their proper place. Fight to do the right thing, even when it's hard. Because when you do those things, you are digging deep and you are building a foundation that will last forever. It is worth it. Okay, (laughs) thanks for letting me share my heart there. Let's get to the next segment. One of the harshest realities about sin is that it is very destructive Sexual sin, in particular, can absolutely devastate a person's life. It destroys marriages. It tears apart families. It deteriorates people's physical, emotional, and spiritual condition. And here's the thing. Just because a person repents does not mean that the painful consequences go away. They can remain for years, even when the man or woman has really changed. For instance, some of you may have damaged finances that may take years to repair. Others may have family members that will never forgive, or there might be a lengthy process of restoration. Some of you may continue to face specific temptations that you never would have had if you wouldn't have given over to a particular form of sin. And so another key lesson on the road to freedom is how to handle these consequences in a godly way. Because developing the right attitude toward consequences will keep you going in the right direction. So Austin, as we continue in this episode talking about key lessons on the road to freedom, I was hoping that you could help us see what kinds of attitudes that we should have in our lives when it comes to the consequences of our sin whether that's an attitude that we should have directly toward the Lord or toward other people in our lives or toward just the, the actual logistical consequences of our sin. Because um, as I mentioned in the lead-in, just because you repent doesn't mean that the consequences just automatically go away and everything's great. Mm-hmm. So 
when you've had to counsel men or even in your own life, mm-hmm. what are some of those most important attitudes that we should have? Yeah, so the first one that came to mind is humility. And this, I would say, is a very important one, especially at the foundation of things. For someone who's really sinned against others and against themselves, there's going to be some consequences, obviously, um, just like we had talked about. And those can be in many forms. But to go and face those is going to require a lot of humility. Mm. Um, Sometimes I've at least experienced this in counseling and I've faced this myself. Once someone has repented of their sin, it's easy to kind of move on past that Mm. and in our minds and what all all that entails. And, you know, you want to live a new life. You don't want to, you know, you, you don't want anything to be associated with that old life. right? And so it's easy to just move on quickly and forget that, well, actually, I have made a big mess of things. And so for me to be able to actually face those things is going to require me to be humble in my attitude towards this. One, I don't deserve the mercy that the Lord has given me. You know, I didn't do anything to deserve the mercy of forgiveness So how can I push back or rebel against some of these consequences? You know, the attitude of of the man who was forgiven much um, in Matthew 18, going out and then strangling his brother who owed him a little bit, you know, that can come out in our attitude towards our consequences, whether it's broken relationships or even just inward wrestlings and struggles like, why do I have to deal with this huge issue now? Well, if I see how much I've been forgiven and come at that situation with humility, that's going to be very helpful (laughs) and keep me going along that path without getting derailed into some other form of sin. Yeah, I'm not married and I'm not a counselor, but I've, I've heard, I've heard enough of, you know, the, the stories about um, how how it can be hard for a man, for example, toward his wife. Mm-hmm. He's really repented, mm-hmm. but she she still bears the scars. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of collateral damage there. She's yeah. afraid mm-hmm. of what might happen in the future. Mm-hmm. She struggles maybe when they're out in public with. Uh, is he looking at other women? Mm-hmm. What's he thinking about during sex? You know, is he thinking about people that he saw on the internet or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it can just create some real, yeah, some real consequences, you mm-hmm. know, because now they don't have this perfect, happy marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still the, yeah, there's just the residue of a lot of his own decisions. And it, you know, men <laughs> were, <laughs> yeah, we can, we're just a, a breed of our own. But, you know, we, as as counselors, I, I know you have to like really exhort the husband, okay, you've repented and now you need to bear your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those things can feel like a nagging thing of just like, why can't my wife just like move on? Like, right. You know, I've repented like this isn't an issue anymore. Why can't we just move on? But that's a great opportunity to really focus on what the Lord has done rather than what I want 
my life to look like right now. Mm. So that's kind of leads into what I was going to say next about like another very important thing about this is gratitude. A man who, for example, if we were just taking that example from a marriage that's been shattered by sexual sin, if he cultivates gratitude for what the Lord has done, these consequences won't seem as overwhelming as before. Just thanking the Lord for delivering him out of this uh, perpetual cycle of devastation and destruction, you know, now that destruction isn't currently taking place in his life. Praise the Lord. Like, that's an amazing thing. Like, yeah. This thing is not being perpetuated anymore. Um, forgiveness, like the Lord actually wiped away the stain of my sin from my heart. I don't have to live in the consciousness of this sin anymore. Um, the depth of the mercy at the cross, like that's just, it's a well of, of inspiration for gratitude. And that will really help and has helped me, especially in some of the consequences that I've had to face to where I'm not focusing so much on what I'm not getting <laughs> that I want. Um, instead, what the Lord has already given me um, that's been so abundant and so lavish that I don't deserve. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's a lot of different passages I think you could refer to when it comes to consequences, but I'm just thinking about um, the promise that God makes Israel when he talks about that I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Mm. You, know, you know, and locusts are brought on by its, its judgment. Mm. Locusts are, are a thing of judgment um, and consequence, you know, and you can just see how, like, even though the Lord makes that promise, we have to see what he's really looking at. Yeah. Because what we can do sometimes is say, you promised to restore the years the locusts have eaten, and -hmm. therefore now I'm going to tell you what I need to see in my life, Mm -hmm. where he is looking at something deeper, something more eternal, something Mm -hmm. profound and and spiritual. Um, And gratitude, I think, gratitude is the thing that helps us to see what he's looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, ingratitude makes us focus on all the things we don't have, but gratitude shows us the the value of what he has already given us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been many times that I've wished that the consequences would just go away, you know. But gratitude has helped me to, like you mentioned, I really like that, patience. I should have thought of that one before. <laughs> um, but yeah, patience is such a such a needed thing here as well because it's not my timeline this is my life is now the lord's you know now that i have been redeemed i am the lord's i am the temple of the holy spirit like i'm not my own yeah. i've been bought with a price so the lord's work has to be front and center so so whether that looks like slogging through a bunch of consequences for the first several years that's where I'm going to need patience because the Lord has something in ahead. Like you said, he will restore what the locusts have eaten, but I'm going to need patience and humility and gratitude is going to help me to get through to that side. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, what else did you have? 
Yeah, so another thing I had and thought of was that's very important is keeping an outward focus of loving others and seeing needs around me. So maybe I'm facing some terrible, awful consequences, but all around me every day, whether I'm going to, out to my job, whether I'm spending my time with my family or my kids or whoever, there's needs all around me. And that's a great avenue to keep my eyes off of myself and what I don't have and what I want to just giving myself, offering myself as an avenue of love to those around me, you know, letting the Lord do good to others through my redeemed life. Like, what did he redeem me for, right? I mean, just to feel happy and feel good. Like, he, he made me to love others now. Like this new life that he's given me, even with the consequences of my sin, I can reach out with the testimony he's given me and bless others and do good to others. Stop by and, you know, just take some extra time to make sure that my friend is really doing okay, asking questions, praying with others, mm. just little things, practical things that will keep me out of uh, an inward um, focus of just selfishness. Yeah. It's amazing to me you know, when I have an interview like this, I could hear the same thing over and over and over again, you know, <laughs> when it comes to some of the spiritual um, keys to freedom, you know, mm -hmm. gratitude, mm -hmm. the word of God, mm -hmm. praise, mercy. Mm -hmm. It's like we say the same things over and over again, but each time it, I, I am freshly reminded how crucial these things are mm -hmm. because, you know, when you talk about finding someone else to do good to, to be an avenue of love, mm -hmm. you know, it's like self-pity mm -hmm. is really the opposite of that. Yeah. Look at how hard my life is. Look at what I'm going through. Look at the pain that I'm in. Yeah. And it creates this, this really, it just... I mean, just from experience, we know this, that mm -hmm. it just shrivels our soul. We can't care for anyone else. Mm -hmm. We can't see outside of our own little tiny circle of need. Mm -hmm. And it's so unlike Jesus. That's right. I mean, he was despised. Mm -hmm. He was rejected. Mm -hmm. No one really gave him the credit that he deserved when he was on the earth. Mm -hmm. Very few people. Mm -hmm gave him the kind of appreciation and recognition that he really deserved. Mm -hmm. But he never, Yeah, he wasn't in self-pity. You don't find him off in the corner complaining about how hard his life was, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, we need to learn from his, his life. Yes. He wasn't even dealing with the consequences of his own sin. You know, if anybody had the right to, have a pity party. <laughs> it was Jesus because <laughs> yeah, he didn't right. deserve any of what he got at all. You know, the consequences, honestly, we have to, yeah, like you said, humility it says, I I deserve what I've gotten. Yep. And actually more. A lot more. Yeah. The Lord has not given me, he has not repaid me according to my sins. That's right. Yeah. So, wow. Living that love out to other people is really helpful. Mm -hmm. You have anything else? Yeah, so another thing that I thought of um, just, and I suppose it can encapsulate all of this, is perseverance, the need to persevere. When you think about consequences, 
what we're talking about is something that's going to take time. There's going to be a period of time. You can't make it go faster. You can't make it, well, maybe, yes, you can make it go slower. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But there's a lot that isn't in your own control. And if I'm going to make it through, I'm going to need to persevere. And I'm going to need to have an understanding of that, that it's going to be hard that it's, I'm not going to feel like going through this um, with grace, with mercy. I'm not going to feel like it, but I'm going to need to in order to get to what the Lord has promised. And, you know, in thinking of this, I was reminded of this verse in Deuteronomy 8. It's verse 2, and it says, this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And in this whole vein of perseverance, that's kind of what the Lord, I think, is after a lot of times for us is he allows these things in our lives to purify us, not as a malicious, like, now you're going to pay. It's right. for our good that we're purified in our hearts so that we're not just like serving the Lord because of, oh, circumstances are good now. But no, I have something real and solid in the Lord because I've gone through this and he has tested me to the core and I've been turning to the Lord. I've been persevering and repenting when needed, um, and he's purifying my heart and my motives in this to where I'm better for it as a result of this. So the perseverance allows the hard things and the circumstances, the consequences, to actually make us better people, to transform us into the image of Jesus. Wow. Yeah, talk about having to live by faith, you know, mm -hmm. like we talked about in the first segment. It takes a lot of faith to really believe that whatever consequences I'm having to experience yeah. are not punitive. Mm -hmm. It's not about God getting back at me. It's, yeah. It is actually all of it is for my own good. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's something that's, you know, you know, there's so many aspects of this, but that would be another one of this that it has to become like a like part of the fabric of my being as someone who's been delivered out of a path of destruction. If I'm going to face these consequences and go through and stand faithful without, you know, compromising in self-pity or cynicism and all of that, that these things are not God's um, wrath on me. <laughs> I've, I have been forgiven by the Lord. He does not hold these sins against me anymore. Mm. Jesus took that on the cross, and I can't live in that mindset, even if others may not have yet forgiven me. That's not God's attitude towards me if I have repented. And um, so those things are only there for my good. God mm. is always shining, his face is shining on us, even in these hard circumstances, because it's for our purification. 
Mm. And that, I don't know, I just take, for me, I'm passionate about this because I've, I've had to do this for myself. I've had to really wrestle through this. Um, just because these consequences are hard and difficult does not mean that God is angry with me. And I've had to really like be intentional about meditating on God's love for me, that he is not against me, but he is fighting my battles with me and for me um, in this, in this walk. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it would be a good just exhortation here at the end to, again, really stress how much we need to be in the Word of God. Yeah. Because that's what tells us mm-hmm. his heart towards us. Like, yeah. That's where you learned that was mm-hmm. by just pouring over the Word of God and seeing Absolutely. that he's kind and merciful and gracious. He's overflowing with forgiveness. And mm-hmm. so if that's what he's really like, mm-hmm. then these consequences are not his anger. That's right. This is love. Yeah. Somehow in ways that's hard to comprehend, but we have mm-hmm. to accept. Amen. Okay. Well, thanks, Austin. This is really helpful. And the last thing I would just say is these are, you know, these few episodes that we're going to do, I think, are some of those episodes that you should listen to regularly as you're really walking through repentance because these are mm-hmm. key foundational issues that we so quickly forget. Mm-hmm. You know, when the battle's on, when the when it's fierce, we forget some of these things. So, I don't know, set yourself a reminder to listen to one of these episodes <laughs> every couple of days or something. But yeah, thanks for giving all this, Austin. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right, before we go, just one last announcement. Some of you may not be aware, but we have an annual conference coming up at the end of April 2023, which is just over five months away. Um, Every year, we invite our graduates, our friends, our families, and anyone who's interested to come and join us in Northern Kentucky. We're going to spend three wonderful days in the presence of the Lord. The theme of our conference is The World is Passing Away. Registration will open in early January, but we at least wanted to give you these dates so that you could start planning on joining us. The conference is April 28th and 29th, 2023, with a pre-conference the day prior, Thursday, April 27th. If you'd like to see our speaker lineup, the full schedule, where you can stay in the local area, you can go to conference.purelifeministries.org. We would love to see you there. We will hear sermons from men like Steve Gallagher. There are breakout sessions for men and women. There are times of praise and worship and intercessory prayer. On Saturday night, there is the Alumni and Friends Benefit Banquet with wonderful food and fellowship and the world-famous Pure Life Ministries Residential Program Student Choir. You don't want to miss it. We would love to have you join us. Thanks so much for listening to Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.